it's your boy Rayshawn from the Rayshawn Gaston Anime Podcast, or Orgap for short. And on today's episode, we're continuing our review over the tournaments during OG Dragon Ball with our boy Kyle from the Super Dope Podcast. Today, we'll be covering the 22nd tournament, giving you six things we liked and one thing we did. Also, favorite fights and least favorite fights. So if that had you interested, then sit back and enjoy the ride. All right, just like our last review I had on Kyle from the Super Dope Podcast, I'm just going to let him introduce himself and also tell us your favorite Dragon Ball character. Oh, that's actually an interesting question. What is your favorite Dragon Ball character? It's a great question because you know what? I had a revelation about this very answer uh, to this question a few weeks ago. I don't think I said it to you. I'll wait, though. My name's Kyle. I host a podcast called Dragon Ball Super Dope. I've been doing so for such a long time. It's kind of stupid when I think about it. However, I've become good friends with Rayshon uh, making these podcasts. He's been on Super Dope very, very often over the last few years. So go check out episodes of Dragon Ball Super Dope. I imagine there's a link in the show notes. Also, Advice Pod, mostly Fridays, me, Rayshon, and our friend Kelly looking at terrible things on Reddit and giving you great, unasked for, completely unsolicited advice. Uh, my favorite Dragon Ball character, Rayshon, I realized it the other day. For years, I've said, as my answers to this question, on any given day, and I've literally, this is part of the answer, on any given day, it can change between Son Goku, Vegeta, and future Trunks. And a couple of weeks ago, I had the realization, my favorite character in Dragon Ball, hands fucking down, no questions asked. I'd no longer have to give that precursor about two other characters. Goku. Goku? Okay. Straight up. Is Even as dumb version? as... Uh, Kid Goku specifically. Yeah. If I had to pick a specific version, Kid Goku from OG Dragon Ball. Although Kid Goku from GT is very funny as well because he's a kid again. Um, but I just had that realization, like he's like the perfect protagonist. I think totally not Mark made some, I've been watching a total, a total different, like, um, level of his videos in the last couple of weeks. Cause I've been so down about Dragon Ball. But when I see some of his reviews, especially on OG Dragon Ball stuff, and even his complete series review on super, it is, um, it, it makes me remember like why I enjoy Dragon Ball so much at certain points and it makes me very happy. But there was something in there that he'd said about Goku and I was just like, yeah, that makes the most perfect sense in the world. I don't understand how I go back and forth between him, Vegeta and Trunks. It's obviously Goku and it always has been since I was a five-year-old child. So I'm now 34. That's a long time. In case you can't do math, I won't do it for you. Let's talk about the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai, aka the strongest under the, under the heavens tournament or you know you could call it the tn arc a lot mm, yeah i guess but no because it's the 22nd tenkaichi budokai put some respect on the goddamn events name i give it i'll give it its props this is probably my third favorite one third favorite what tournament arc or third favorite arc in total tournament arc okay uh, can i ask what your first and second ones are it'll have to be um i'm i I, I tossed the third and first one up for first place, but then I, I like the first one the best. Then so the 21st Budokai is your favorite, then the, the 23rd, 23rd, and then the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're doing tournament arcs to Dragon Ball, are you doing all the tournament arcs? Are you doing the 25th Budokai with like the punching machine and Mr. Satan and Android 18? 
Are you doing the Tournament of Power? Are you doing the Noichi Budokai between the other world tournament? I'm only talking specifically Dragon Ball. Oh, wait, just the OG Dragon Ball. All right, just that's how you rank those. Okay. We're, hey, what about the Fortune Teller Baba tournament and her fucking Fighters of the Undead or whatever? Does that one count in your rankings or no? I haven't even thought about adding that one in there. Because the it's only not reason, a whole tournament, but it is a tournament. It, I get, I guess it's the tournament piece of the Red Ribbon arc. Like the Red Ribbon, everyone kind of forgets that that's a part of the Red Ribbon arc. But Oop is there, and yeah, and Oopa plays a role even doing his whole. Uh, it's one of my favorite bits in OG Dragon Ball when him and Puar, like Oopa does the cross, right? Like a, he turns himself into a crucifix, and I think Puar changes themselves into a wooden stake or like some garlic or something, and the Dracula guy is just like, oh no, and that's how they, like comedic genius, dude. Because when that arc happens, it's like, what the fuck are they, you need five tournament fighters, what the hell are these two idiots gonna do? You can't do shit with them. Oh man, so good. Uh, we should do that one as a bonus after we get through the 23rd, just throwing it out there, but... Um, cool man 22nd is your th- least favorite Budokai I understand it's not even like bad I just you know the only reason why I hate this one is because I just feel like I don't everyone this was the one I felt Goku got cheated the most it just felt like he got cheated in my opinion but I understand like the whole narrative of everything but me as just a fan of Kid Goku would have been like heartbroken that he lost because of this the shit I would have been like what the fuck man fuck you Tien I think this tournament is very unfair to Goku but not in the way because in which he lost um what's interesting to me about the 22nd tournament is that Goku is there the entire time but he doesn't really feel like the main character until pretty much toward the end the main character of this arc does it feels like two people primarily Tian Shinhan and Master Roshi. Yeah. Both go through their respective arcs. Goku's arc is very much like nothing. I will get to Goku's arc. It, you know, it is what it is. But Tien's arc is like I come in as like the mirror student school to the turtle hermit with the crane hermit, the Shudu Senen. I'm like an evil version of it. I don't aspire to be the strongest warrior to like protect the world for good. I aspire to be the world's greatest assassin, just like Tao Pai Pai. And that's like his starting point. And then you see how throughout the arc, it's kind of what I like about Tien's arc here is that some of the goodness in his character and in Chao Tzu's more, it's more obvious with Chao Tzu's is you don't realize, you realize that they're not um, malicious. They're not like genuinely mean-hearted people. They are people who are maybe a little dumb and maybe misled. Chaozu especially. And when I under when I say the dumb thing, I underline that shit for Chaozu. But they have those comedic moments throughout there where it's like, you know, Chaozu... I feel like Chaozu was a little crazy though in the beginning because he did burn that one dude alive. I guess you could say he didn't kill him, but he did... He did. He was. They was. They was a little psycho. I'll mm-hmm. say that. I wish we would have saw that in the prelims, man. Because that is such a weird thing. With and like when they see that guy having like lunch on the fucking uh, on the picnic table, and they're like, "What happened to that guy?" Yeah, he faced one of the shooter sentence uh, students. He faced that little clown kid. He burned him alive. Like that is pretty nuts. I wish they would have shown it. Um, I do wonder. This is not one I was able to pick back through the manga at all. I wasn't able to flip through. I don't think I own this story in a manga. Uh, either way, um, I do wonder if it was in there, if that scene was in there to kind of like hold him up as like mm. uh, a potential like crazy super strong threat as like a filler scene in the anime or if like 
they just let him and Krillin have his fight start, and then it was revealed how weird he was, you know? Um, I think that m- the main reason they didn't show it because he used the Dodon Ray, and that would automatically, like, help us know that they were related, you know what I mean? So maybe. I think that's probably why they didn't show it. Um, that would make sense to not include it in the, to include it in the manga, to, like, hold that back. He he burned his skin with the Dodon Pa, and then we don't want to, we don't want to give away the, the connection to tell Pai Pai is there yet, yeah. And also, I don't know if it's different from like in the um, the Japanese or the um, English dub, but it was um, the crane helmet or Miss um, Shin who basically told him about the burn victim because he was like, "Oh, y'all don't know who did that? Oh, y'all find out." Like when like, the one uh, tournament came, the dynamic, honestly. So you call him Master Shen, mm-hmm. and that kind of messes me up. But we talked about this a couple of days ago, Master. Sh- when you call him Master Shen, it messes. Me- I'll, I'll try not to forget, right? It messes me up because I think of Shen Kami, uh, the 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 identity he adopts for the next tournament in order to fight against Piccolo Junior. Uh, I forget that in the English dub, Sudo Sen in the Crane Hermit is called Master Shen. So when he, my favorite thing about the Crane Hermit is that, like again, mirrored, paralleled sort of masters, right? Uh, I just remember. Okay, what the um Kami's name? I think his name is Hero in the English dub. Is it? I think that's what it is. Hold on, I'm gonna Google it. Kami's name, twenty third Budokai, is Hito. Although it does say that Shen, known as Hito in the Funimation dub, so that they call him that shit in the sub as well. And I just haven't watched it in a while. Maybe that's it. That's I, I was like, oh, I, I'm a beast right there. That can't. All right. So over. in Japanese they call him Shen. In English they call the crane the crane hermit Master Shen. Shen. Yep. But in English they call Shen Kami the identity he assumes Hero. Hero. Yep. God damn, none of that's confusing at all, right? So <laughs> my point is what I love about uh, Master Shen or the Crane Hermit or Shudu Senen is that he does have a ton of interaction between Boma, Oolong, Launch, Puar, that whole gang. And like, they obviously have a strong distaste for one another, but like, he also is the reason that they're kind of caught up on certain things and like in the narrative. And it's just done in a different way in terms of the exposition dump that you would typically get on uh, like, like a Dragon Ball fight, like somebody observing the fight. Oh no, they're moving so fast. Oh no, that guy hit him three times, but it only looked like one time. Like, He's just doing that sort of function in the narrative, but there's no fight around. It's just to give some extra position about this one-off weird character wrapped in bandages. They have such a fucking weird dynamic, man. It's almost like they treat him like a distant, like annoying cousin or something. You know what I like? I don't know how, how better else to explain that. Well, he acts like, like, Master Roshi a little bit, but he's just an asshole to Master Roshi. And it's like, God damn, like, don't. The whole entire time. Like, Master Roshi, like, they had that little fight in the beginning, but he doesn't really say anything else about uh, Mr. Shit the whole time. But he is constantly talking shit about him. Well, I mean, they do have a few, and it's kind of done in the same reason for the same purpose, right? Sh- uh, I almost called him Shen. I don't know him as Shen. Sudo Senen. Uh, Sudo Senen, this is one of my actually, I don't want to call it a gripe. I don't want to call it a least favorite. It's just something that's an inconsistency in Dragon Ball. And has always kind of bothered me throughout my life. But this art heavily features the idea of like telekin- telekinetic, tele- telepathy. That's what I'm looking for. Telepathy, I think. And they all communicate within their thoughts. Like 
Master uh, Master Roshi, ooh, see, Master Roshi and Suger Senen have this back and forth in the crowd at a certain point. Like mm. they do acknowledge each other, but like it's from afar, so it never feels super personal. But it is for the purpose of dumping more exposition on the story. It, it's a weird relationship. Like you know that they know each other so well because of the types of insults that they hurl at each other. Um, I am sort of curious, like what a young Roshi and uh, and Sudo Senen Crane Hermit, uh, Kame Senen Sudo Senen series. That's what I want to see a young version of that. That'd be cool as hell. And it's crazy because you kind of do get like a younger version of them in the next arc, and he kind of explains what kind of happens, which is is that. It's good storytelling because it's like, okay, we get to see like this and then we go back because it brings in the whole Piccolo thing and everything, which we might actually do. We might add that into that whole. Um, we doing the Piccolo Daimao arc before we do the Piccolo Budokai Tenkaichi arc. I think I, th- I think we should. We're just doing a Dragon Ball review at this point. Should we go back and watch like the first, uh, what, t- 20? I know. we. You know, it's funny. We already did the first 10 episodes review. We just never we? finished. Yes, we did the first 10 because I was going right. back. Because For some reason, I thought we might already had did the 21st tournament, but we didn't do the 21st tournament. So Actually, I'll- I do remember you in the original Pilaf gang, like the first 13-ish episodes with you a couple years, probably a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. So we're missing like maybe 10 filler-ish episodes of training in between that and the Tenkaichi Budokai yep. Red Ribbon arc. We got to do the Piccolo Daimao arc. We might I think we're, Red Ribbon arc. I think that, why would you? It's so much fun. <laughs> It's uh, I, it's we can do certain parts, certain parts of it. Divide it up into divide it up into two, dude. I bet you it would be a lot more palatable if we do it in like first half, or maybe even three parts. First part, second part, third part. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things I want to talk about about General Blue when I was rewatching it. I was like, I don't remember who this character being so flamboyant as he was. Maybe I wasn't watching it as much. And I, I like, don't remember this character making me feel so gay. I was, like, I was uh, like, is he gay? Like, I had to Google it for a second. Oh, he's super gay, dude. In Japanese, he pretty much, like, when Bulma tries to put the tits on him, when he's, like, not adhering to whatever their requests are, and she's just like, what the hell? Do you? And he's like, I don't like women. Like, he, he straight up says it, dude. I would never expect him to say it in American dub. This is why you got to watch the sub, bro, to get the original context of the story. It's always better. Funimation can suck a dick. I definitely gotta watch that part in Japanese. Not just yeah. that part, but I'll probably the whole thing. But I could just uh cause his his character was so weird. So now though that it's more context is given to Japanese, probably will answer a lot. Yeah, it's true. Uh we who we gotta do these favorites though. Uh who wants to start? What's your first favorite thing? Uh, all right, I was gonna go ahead and do the um basically what the plot is. Basically mm. the plot is that um, makes sense. <laughs> Over the past three years, Goku and his friends have undergone intense tra- training. Krillin and Yamcha have been training with Master Roshi, while Goku grew stronger and was encouraged to explore the world. Waiting for Goku, this is... I don't know what it is, but I realized this tournament started it. The whole, we're going to wait till the last moment to fucking register to go into the tournament. It's it's such bullshit. But basically, they're waiting for Goku to come. He's coming from a Papaya Island or Paya Island. And he's, he's swimming to Papaya Island, like literally swimming in the fucking ocean, like 700 miles or whatever. Got to give this man his props low key around the world type shit. But it just makes me mad at the fact that it's the last minute type shit. But okay, um, while this is going down, you have Master Roshi. He meets up with his old friend, the Crane Hermit. They start throwing insults. 
We get um, introduced to Tien and Chatsu, and then the tournament basically begins. Later on, we get a plot of um, this basically becoming revenge for Mercenary Tao after Goku kind of just throws it out there. Yeah, that I, yeah, I killed that nigga. Yeah, I did kill him. <laughs> like everybody like, no, you. Yes, I did. Yeah. Nobody fucking. It's one of the greatest. And it makes you like really appreciate the, the fact that like Roshi, he takes Krillin and Yamcha back to the island. He's like, yeah, you boys could. Krillin, you've trained with me before? Okay, you can come back. You kind of need it. Yamcha, you can come with us. You're a nice guy now. Goku, I can't really do much for you, man. You're kind of already at your peak in terms of what I can do for you. Go the fuck out there into the world. He goes the fuck out there into the world, destroys the most menacing fucking army in the goddamn history of like this timeline. Single-handedly, as like a 12-year-old boy, kills their most deadly assassin, goes to the world's strongest tournament, the Tenkaichi Budokai, and nobody believes that he did it. <laughs> nobody believes it. He's like, hey, that motherfucker used a Dodonpa. That's just like Tao Pai Pai. I killed him. You what? Well, yeah, I just referenced like the name of the guy who you would have never known that I've met. I just referenced a very specific move that he's used for years and years. Yeah, I'm telling you that I killed him. Please believe me, given the credibility of my last two statements and how you'd never expect me to know that shit. It's hilarious to me. Nobody fucking believes him. Even Roshi. So fucking crazy. I love TM was the first person to believe him. Like after he started kind of looking back at what all Goku was doing, he was like, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe he actually did. Then he yeah. goes to Crane Herman, then Crane Herman wants to go fight this nigga in the dark. Fuck it. That's, well, that's, that's one of my favorite right there, dude. <laughs> the he like funny. literally, he did the cat burglar shit with his fucking room, put the circle through it. It was what? I don't know. Gonna try to kill Goku, except he woke up and Goku was ready, dude. I bet you Goku would have handled him if not stopped by Tien. I bet you if the Crane Hermit and Goku were to battle that night after the Crane Hermit was trying to assassinate him, I guess. My money is one fucking thousand percent on Goku winning that fight. That would be interesting. Only thing, only reason why I said that would be interesting, I want to know if Crane Hermit can do any of the moves he's taught Tien or um, Chatsu. If, if, he, if he can't, then yeah, I think Goku's probably going to whip beat him last slot. If he can, I think he might got some tricks up his sleeve. But I, I do think out of the um, two of him, between him and Master Roshi, I do think Master Roshi is probably the stronger one. A hundred percent. You don't see the Crane Hermit enter into this tournament. You see him just standing on the sidelines and being kind of like blown away by how strong some of these people are. Like, as where Master Roshi's in there in the ring with them. Because um, yeah, even Jackie Chan, because like even when he was fighting, he was like, "Yeah, I'm surprised this whole man. <laughs> like, he was doing so good." And that, which is crazy. You got to give uh, Master Roshi his props because it did look like he did at least a little bit of trading between the 21st and the 22nd, which he probably is doing with Krillin and them. But yeah, but he's probably also doing his super secret training like during but there during that period of time, just like he did for the Tournament of Power. Didn't happen to do between the 22nd Budokai. And yeah, any of the Antifrail or Majin Buu or any of that. Um, I don't know, man. I think the Roshi Sudusen relationship is interesting because, yeah, they hate each other. It's funny. They're basically the same character in a lot of ways. Good guy versus bad guy, right? And it's just, it's like a Star Wars story. When it gets down to Roshi, me, and Tian, it's like, come back to the light side of the force. You don't even know how good you could do and how happy you could be if you embrace the good side of life as opposed to trying to be an assassin for hire and all this shit. Like, it's funny to watch the two of them be such polar opposites, but so similar at the same time. Yeah. And then also, like we're talking about here, it's like 
I think Roshi, if they fought this geriatric Roshi, I don't know if, if Sudo Senate has like some 300 year old shit going on in his life. I don't think he does. But Roshi's 300. Sudo Senate's old enough to look like he's 300. The two of them just go at each other. I feel like Roshi wins every single day of the week. Just, I don't know, just a thought. Just a they are, unless they both pulling that like hunchback, hunchback type look. And then when they get serious, it's like they all straightened up type shit, which is so crazy to me. <laughs> but it seems like that's a Japanese thing. It seems like all the older, like old men are always like hunchback. But like once they get real and get serious, they like all screened up type shit. So I wonder if that's like a Japanese thing. I believe, I mean, in America, they call it old men's strength. You know, you just, you're an old man, but like you were, you were strong young man at some point and now you're old, but somewhere in you resides that young man. Now old man power and you got that old man strength. You know, I, I I don't know. I think um, it's a very interesting dynamic. I honestly wish as much as I liked how Pai Pai and I'm always happy to see him come back in the 23rd and then that filler stuff before the cell games, I love Tao Pai Pai. Shao, Shao, Shen, that's me being racist, probably. The pseudo senate, Crane Hermit. Um, I feel like just because of his relationship and his mirror sort of existence of Roshi, I feel like that gives you way more opportunities for quality storytelling. And I think it's kind of a shame that we pretty much only saw him in this arc and that's it. Yeah. And um well, he's I think, in the, um he's in the flashback. Now. He's in the flashback with the Mutaito stuff in the next arc. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, Young Shen is cool, but like it's only there for an episode. That would be such a fascinating series, but I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say Mercenary Tao is the cooler one out of them. I just love his life, even though he, he was like in that little fight scene with Goku and it was probably just a few episodes. But when he went to that other like um village or country and that dude, like they were trying to assassinate him and the dude threw his shoe up and it bounced off the bullet, bounced off the shoe. He, the shoe Flipped around, went back on his foot, never missed a moment. Not a beat, not a step, not a second. <laughs> I was like, I fucks with, with Mercenary Town. Yeah, he is a cold motherfucker. That is one of the, I, I don't trust myself enough to buy Dragon Ball Toys SH figure art style because like $100 a figure in some cases. I have a few, but I got them very, very cheap at like $30 a piece, right? I could stomach something like that. The only one I've ever considered buying is Tao Pai Pai, Mercenary Tao. Just because like he comes with the big fucking log and the and like all the oh, cool accessories okay. and shit. Yeah, like you cool. could you can get him like set up on the on the placement for him flying on the log and stuff. He really is such a fun character. And I love that Dragon Ball creators, like people who worked on the anime, loved him enough to bring him back for that cell filler arc. Uh, but it, it makes sense to bring him back in the 23rd. We'll do the 23rd whenever we do the 23rd, but um it makes it, it's an awesome storytelling arc for TN again. Like ugh, OG Dragon Ball is so fucking good to some, except Yamcha. It's not good to Yamcha, but it's really good to so many like minor characters that just go on to get forgotten in DBZ. And it's it's cool to see TN get really two big character arcs uh, within one. Really three because even um Piccolo arc he gets a um, character arc. That's true. He does go on to like sort of solidify, you know, uh, yes, I he, go up, he go apologize to like somebody. I forget the whole that story. Line. Like the Mafuban shit, like TN he learns down for the cause. 
And I mean, y'all chill. Y'all chill just was injured for a little bit of it. I think he got healed like towards the end, then tried to come and act like he was going to do something. But, you know, we all knew that he wasn't. <laughs> the only reason he got healed was so that way we, he could show us that the villains were also not fucking around and throw a main <laughs> character very easily. <laughs> well, that's not even true because you already lost Krillin and Master Roshi, which is, you know what? We're talking about a whole other thing. Yeah, you're we're right, just going right. with the, the sure. tournament. Um, do it, do it. The tournament rules. So basically, they're the same rules. They are as following: killing one of your po- um, opponents is forbidden. They the use of weapons is forbidden. Hitting one's opponent below the belt is forbidden. How is it set up? You have your preliminaries. Um, a match that I can think of specifically from the preliminaries: Goku versus King Chopa. Then you have your quarterfinals: Yamcha versus Tien, Man Wolf versus Jackie Chan. Krillin versus Chatsu, Goku versus Pempit. It's I know I fucked that name. Yeah, no, it's a weird name. In the in the sub, it's like Pen Prado or some shit, but I'm pretty sure in the dub it's like Panpu or some shit like that. It's like that, like Pan yeah. something like that. Um semifinals, you have Jackie Chun versus Tien, one of the best matches ever. Goku versus Krillin. And then for your final match, Goku versus Tien. Now, going straight into our likes. I'm gonna let you go ahead. All right, so this is one that's probably not even on your radar for this arc because you don't give a shit and I give all of the shits. What I love about the 22nd Budokai arc is all of the insert songs, man. Dragon Ball does not have a ton of insert songs throughout its history, thank God, because the moments they do use them fairly sparingly, they fucking hit, dude. And it's a very easy thing to over-abuse. And this one, they have the Tenkaichi Budokai theme song. Tenkaichi. And that song bumps. I think they use it two times. And then they also, for whatever weird reason, probably like a consolation prize for the Yamcha fans out there who were just like, my main man keeps getting fucked up in the first part of the arc just to prove a point about the antagonist. Yamcha also has his own insert song. In his first fight, Roga Fufu and it sounds very similar to the Tenkaichi song, but it's just lyrics about Yamcha being one with a wolf and like throwing out wolf fist, fang fist punches and stuff. So that's very cool. That's my first like the the idea that insert songs make an anime automatically at least six thousand percent better. That's my first. Okay. Like you said earlier, I'm not. I don't really pay attention much to a lot of the songs. I really pay attention more to the fights and the action was going on. I can't. Also, there's certain songs that I can remember. Watch an OG dub. There's no replacement score, right? It's just the regular stuff from Japanese, right? I think so. I think so too. I'm just not sure. I haven't watched it really ever, but yeah, I don't even watch the intro for real. I I do like the intro song, but I started, dude. I thought of you every time I because like. We did one a few weeks ago. It was like 10 episodes. I was like, I can do that. This one was like, oh, I don't know, 15, 17 episodes. This I was like, yeah, I can't watch the opening and outro songs anymore. <laughs> I can't even let Rayshawn know because he's going to judge me because he knows who I am. But here I am being very honest about it. So wait a minute. When when Tien and Yamcha, that's the fight where the insert song happens for the Yamcha uh, song. Roga Fufu Ken, stupid song, but... Do they just not have a song play or is it just instrumental or something? Is it like do the song play over the whole fight or is it like over just one? Yeah, it, I mean, maybe I don't think I don't think I don't think it plays. Interesting. I'm gonna I'll have to go back up. and and I 
if it does, I probably just don't pay attention to it. And <laughs> <laughs> tune it out, dude. Rayshon has no interest in music whatsoever. <laughs> if, if I, I just watch anime for the action main, 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 mainly. I, I'm be honest with you. I'm an action. This is a good series for it, but I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go. For my first like, this is something that happens in the preliminaries. And I think it's one of the funniest moments ever. If you like think about it, how it happens. I like the moment where Jackie Chan gets serious against an amateur because he was questioning his strength against Goku after Goku said he was saving his best moves for the tournament. And then like after he had said that, he was thinking in his head, like how much stronger than he is. And then out of nowhere, he just like beats the shit out of this amateur. And then he said, like, why the fuck did you do that? Bazzarell? He did not have to do that. You really know what to say I'm talking about? Honestly, man, I I, maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a poor memory, you know, the weed and the alcohol and stuff. But I, I don't remember this scene. It sounds awesome though. This is oh, this was his first preliminary. That was the first preliminary batch. I don't know if it's like if it's stated the same way in Japanese, but it's basically oh, uh, I forgot who he was going against. But it's like right after um Goku has his fight, and then um, when they come out, and it's like don't use all your best moves. And he's yeah. like, no, I'm saving them. And then that Master Roshi goes in, and then he has this like dialogue in his head, and he's basically like, How much stronger has Goku become like over this time? And he's like, whether is he like, is he stronger than me? Has the student has come past the master? And then like they ring the bell, and then he's like, just gets sitting like uppercuts the shit out of this dude. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, he bro, she's just bro, she's just having like a bad mental health day, and some guy fucking dislocated his jaw for the rest of his life because of it. Ba- he just had to take the brunt of it. Basically, Rosie had to remember to himself that he was a martial artist type shit. He was like, I don't know what's going on. But I thought that was probably one of the funniest scenes ever. I'm so mad you don't know what I'm talking about. It's like making yeah, me mad. I, it, I can see. So I started watching the episodes for this. We're recording this on a Wednesday. I started on Friday night. I watched maybe like four. I, I continued on through Saturday, Sunday. I finished the rest of them Sunday. We were supposed to do the Sunday, but then some stuff happened. So we were scheduled. But um, it's just been, I, I, I seriously, dude, part of me while I'm watching these episodes, part of me thanks you and a part of me hates you because I'm just like, Man, I haven't watched Dragon Ball like this, this much Dragon Ball episodes in a row in so long since I was probably like a fucking teenager, man. I, 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 when was the last time I watched six Dragon Ball episodes back to back to back to back to back to back to back when I was 13 in fucking 2002? So like a part of me absolutely loves you for that because it gives me an excuse to do it because I want to be up. I want to know. I want to remember the other part of me, though, when I like get to the end song and I click to the next episode and Funimation takes like 45 fucking seconds to load the next episode. And I'm like, what am I even doing with my life, man? I can't believe I'm watching 17 episodes of fucking anime for Rich on. I hate that motherfucker. Like, that's so, but that's just the high and lows of like an undiagnosed bipolar. You know, you get it. The point is, don't remember because I had to ingest so much Dragon Ball in the last few days. But I do kind of have a recollection of him having that sort of internal monologue in his head because he has that monologue in his head like a couple different times. But I do remember it in like a dark brown-ish sort of background setting because that's what the preliminary uh, like room or building looks like or whatever. See, he fought an unnamed fighter too. Like if he fought somebody that had a name, I think that would have kind of helped you kind of remember Honestly, I was hoping you would say like who he was fighting so I could remember, but it you did, like you said, unnamed fighter. 
<laughs> or they probably did name him, but he just out named to me because <laughs> like he never was seen again. Because <laughs> fuck that guy. That's why. I'm gonna go ahead and do number two. I hope you remember this one. This is another Jackie Chan scene. Jackie Chan scene. Jackie Chan scene. This is basically I like the scene where he's fighting Man Wolf, not Wolf Man, Man Wolf, and he catches his knife and like lifts him up in the air and just throws him like a boss. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> Fucking love. One that. of my favorite parts about that moment is the announcer's like, "Hey, man, yeah. there's no outside weapons. We gotta disqualify you." And Jackie's like, "Nah, it's fine. He can fight with it. I don't care." <laughs> The disrespect, man. Is that is that what? Uh, oh, I feel like in the uh, English dub, they're like all scared and like, oh, he has a knife, and then like, just like like a straight boss. I love his whole attitude, that whole fight. He was just playing with him, like that was like a joke fight. <laughs> it was I mean, honestly, is one of my favorite and least favorite somehow at the same time because. It just pays off one big joke. Like the entire tournament, you see Man Wolf like grilling fucking Master Roshi. Like, what is it? What does this guy hate him for? I don't understand what kind of revenge he's trying to extract, you know? And then you get to the fight and it's like, I'm not a Man Wolf. I'm a Wolf. Oh, I see. I have it mixed up. A wolf that turns into a man or something like that. I don't know. I'm the reverse of a werewolf. Let's just put it like I'm a I'm a wolf where no man wolf. See, terrible. Either way, I think it pays off in terms of a joke. I think it does go on a little bit long in that fight, but the idea of hypnotizing him and bringing Krillin in for a replacement moon, I remember that very clearly reading that in the comic books when I was a kid. Like, that was the first way I ingested it and thinking that it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's so stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, That's but why. That, that, but this is like, that is just go uh, Dragon Ball humor, like classic Dragon Ball humor. Yep. And to like you get to the end of this arc and where they kind of shift to a, like a whole different type of tone. This that this is that is basically just Dragon Ball. But what was your second like? So I feel like I might be jumping uh into like toward the end material of the tournament, but it was the second thing I wrote down. My one of my favorite things about this arc in total is just the way. Tien and Jackie Chun arc, uh, the way that fight ends and the way the arc ends, or at least for Jackie Chun and Master Roshi, uh, the idea of him coming into the first tournament and trying to instill in his students, there's always a bigger fish. There's always someone out there training more than you, continue to get stronger and him continuing to do that in between the tournaments and then coming back and like trying to assess like how strong have my own students gotten? Oh shit, there's the mirror Kame school over there and Sudu said it in his fucking clown boy and three eyes weirdo. Let's see how strong they are. Are they warriors of the future or the warriors of the next generation or whatever? So kind of twofold. Uh, Jackie Chun making that be his main goal or, uh, you know, end point for what he was entering the tournament for. And it coming unexpectedly very early in the semifinals against Tien and him just trying to turn Tien the entire time, like over to, he's been fucking Kadobi and Strudu Senen is, you know, Emperor Palpatine or whatever. And it's like trying to woo him over to the light side of the force to fight for the powers of good and all that. And then he's like, oh shit, this kid's legit. He's very powerful. I know he's not a complete piece of shit. He's not beyond saving. When all of those things come together in Roshi's brain is when he just jumps out of the ring, which again, reading that in the comics, you turn the page and it's like, Bloop, I'm out of the ring, the end. You never would have expected it. And it's just such a, a, a cool medium to digest that scene in. But 
Um, yeah, the end of that fight was very unexpected, but also somehow weirdly satisfying because you have hope for the future, despite the fact that you just watched Jackie Chun give up without even showing his top tier like abilities and powers and capabilities. Like he might have been able to beat Tian if he wanted, but he's like, nah, I feel good about the future of this. I'm old. Goodbye. I'm out. I'm glad you added that at the end because I love that Tian said that and he was basically saying I don't even know if he was using his full power and I was like scrape balls because Master Roshi in that like whole fight he's basically like you said trying to get TN to get on his side the moment where he just jumps off the ring such a boss moment because it's like you know what it's, it's nothing else but it shows you that Master Roshi had done what he came there to do and he believed he has hit enough doubt or enough things into um tn mind to make him start to think that he was like what's that it was just time for him to go and i, I just love that whole energy by master roshi where he basically told tn he was like yeah i'm gonna let you take my place now and let you be the um obstacle for my students and you're just like <laughs> straight boss moment right there like you know what i'm done i'm bowing out and which I gotta give him his props for, because at his at his point in time and age, and I oh, this is something else I wanted to kind of bring up. Jackie Chan is popular as fuck. I don't, it's so crazy how do you mean he like this in the tournament? No, oh, Jackie Chung. Chung. Uh, like in the tournament, like yeah. he has people like getting his autographs or like lines and stuff. He is very popular. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you think maybe somebody in his uh, inner circle would put it together that him and Roshi were the same guy, right? They almost did it in the 21st, but then he had that fucking family tree up his sleeve to be like, no, actually, we're distant cousins or whatever. Um, yeah, no, it's a total fucking, it's a total fucking boss move to be like, oh, okay, that's the situation. I'm all set. And you leave of your own accord. You're not going to make me leave the ring. If we had to fight, I could probably make you leave the ring. But it doesn't serve my greater purpose of making sure that the future generations of protectors of the earth or however you want to say it, uh, you know, making sure that they're ready for the next big threat. It doesn't serve the purpose there. So, you know what? Good luck. You're going to go fight Son Goku. Uh, we don't know it yet, but he's an alien from outer space. Dude's pretty tough. So good luck. <laughs> I mean, T.A. can be an alien, too. I don't, <laughs> I don't even ever like nobody ever mentions T.N.'s third eye ever, ever. But he, it is kind of mentioned because he does bring it up where um, Goku was moving fast. And I guess the third, he was like, oh, that's good having a third eye or something. Being able to yeah, take him out. he can mention his own third eye. Has anyone else ever been no, like, no, hey, what's, what's up with that? How did that happen? But I mean, they also from? got dinosaurs and dragons as people. So, I mean, a third eye probably is like, he's still humanish. It's like <laughs> a dog is president. A three-eyed bald man with like, amazing pectoral muscles and inconsistent abdominal muscles. It's the least of our worries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, on. Is it number three? Is it your turn? Yep. Moving on to number three. Nine minus one was able to beat. Hmm? I was just going. Oh, doing it for the video. Mm. Visual cues. Nine minus one. Got it. Was able to beat an opponent that could skywalk. Use telekinesis and the Dodon Ray shows you why Master Roshi took time during the first tournament to teach his motherfucking pupils 
arithmetic. He taught them the uh, math and <laughs> reading and everything. Because this was crazy, the fact that Krillin was literally able to beat Chao in this match just because he was able to throw them off with math. Yeah, it does. It did. It's funny to tie into that idea of like study hard, train hard, rest well, or whatever the Roshi motto is, right? Because they do actual fucking math, right? Mm -hmm. It was funny that now he can't do math. That is very funny. But think, I don't know, man. I look at it less as um, a shortcoming on Chaozu's part. It is obvious. It is very much a shortcoming, motherfucker. You can't do nine minus one, like. What's wrong with your clown brain? You know how to fucking Buku Jutsu Skywalk, but you can't fucking... <laughs> you can't get to eight from nine minus one. What's wrong with you? Um, I look at it less as a failure on Chauncey's part. He's just very much a character having to serve a role, which is why he is such a underused and underdeveloped character, because that's really all he has been. Even when you see him in the Saiyan arc make his sacrifice, he's it's less about him and more about Tien and the greater situation. Uh, when you see Krillin versus Chaozu, though, I think it's another sort of feather in the hat of Krillin as a character who might not always have like the flashiest tricks or the most deadly move set or whatever, like Chaozu does in this case, right? He burned a motherfucker alive. He is an accomplished strategist. And that has always been, always throughout, honestly, track it from, from here in early Dragon Ball. Track it from around now, 22nd Budokai, on through the rest of the series. Whatever it is that gives Krillin an advantage in a fight is usually because he's using his brain. He's just a better strategist because he knows he's not the most powerful person ever. He's been hanging out with Goku his whole fucking life. He knows I have to think about this to be able to have a chance. So the idea of him being chatted with his brain to further prove, you know, strategy, because that's what it is. It's like, I know I can't beat this guy, but I'm going to confuse him instead. I think it's awesome. I love that shit. <laughs> I, I, I think it, it doesn't show bad against Chatsu. I think it shows bad against his um, master because it's like, you should have made sure your students could do this. Um, but I also like what you said about Krillin because I think that ties into um, the next tournament when he actually fights the um, against the main character in that one and he actually does pretty decent. Even though he does lose, he still picks up a good fight. And so, I mm -hmm. mean, he does that in almost each tournament, which is great treatment compared to what Yamcha gets. Like, you know what I mean? Yamcha, he, he gets the fight. Most of the time, he does get to fight the main character. He just gets to get jobbed out pretty easily. He gets yeah. to let us know that um, the main character is not playing around. <laughs> Honestly, I've heard a lot of people say that Yamcha was the original Vegeta. And no, he wasn't. Yamcha was the original Yamcha. Like, he was a fucking bum-ass thief in the fucking desert. Goku made him his boy because it served to the greater purpose of the cast or whatever. Tien is the original Vegeta. Straight up. He's a bad guy. They fought. There's some kind of mutual like cause or mutual like benefit to them fighting the same person. They join forces. And, and in the case of Tien and Goku, it's like, oh shit, King Piccolo's gonna destroy the earth. <laughs> so, you know, it is kind of like Dragon Ball Z-ish level by that point, you know, or at least early Dragon Ball Z level. But I don't know, people don't put enough uh respect on Tien's name. And I'm just here to help reclaim that for him. So 
Yeah, and also Tien and Goku have always been more comparable to power than Yamcha. I think Yamcha might have had just that one scene when he was fighting in the desert and he was like hungry. That's the only time I think they ever seen comparable. Like, you know what I mean? After, yep. that, after that, they never see comparable again. Well, uh, did you I think you gave your number three, didn't you? Or did you? Um, I don't think I did. I'm in checking okay. shit off here, but what I'll say is um just to kind of bring it back to the beginning of it, I really did like the preliminaries in a few different ways. I don't know why, man. Again, going back to reading it as a kid, I remember Chapa O or King Chapa being such a big presence in the pre. And then rewatching this the other day, I'm like, that motherfucker didn't even make it out of the preliminaries. Why did I care about Chapa O as a kid? Man, like, who gives a shit? But I did like the fact that Chapa O was used as a way to sort of continue to demonstrate Goku's high level, right? Because a lot of it is just done by word of mouth. Um, Goku was the runner-up in the last tournament, so we know about his relationship with Jackie Chun, the last previous tournament winner. And the idea they bring him in, Chapa O, for the prelims and have him be a previous winner of the tournament, maybe, you know, two or three tournaments ago, whatever it is, it kind of lends credence to like Goku has this one up or like this ability to hold over uh, on these very experienced martial artists that have been part of the tournament for the last decade, two decades, whatever it is. And it's just like uh, another way to like hold him out as a legitimate like chance without a way, w without having to like show off all of his moves. Cause that's what it is. I said it to you earlier. Goku's not the main character of this thing till the end. When they do talk about Goku, they talk about him in very passing pieces. And he has the Chapa O thing and knocks him out super easy. He has his other thing and knocks him out super easy. He tells people, hey, everybody, let's dial it down. And like Krillin in Goku is like the first real time where you're like, oh, yeah, Goku's here. That's right. Let's get to know and experience some time with this character again without it just being like somebody or something who is, um, you know, demonstrating how strong he is. Uh, so I don't know. The the prelims were pretty cool just for the sake of like having that done in a narrative way. Namu um is also used very well in that prelim opening piece. Uh when he gets taken care of, uh, I believe by Chaozu. No, it's not Chaozu, it's Tian Shinan. Doesn't he fuck yeah, he fucks up Namu super quickly and they were like, Hey, what's up, Namu? How you doing? You here to get some water for your village? And Nabo's like, nah, man, you give me all that well water. I'm a millionaire now. Thanks for that. I'm just here to fight for free today. And then he gets his ass whooped. <laughs> Early prelim stuff in this tournament was pretty peak for me. That's my point. Yeah. And I also kind of set the power level showing some of the old people weren't going to be, they ain't going to have no chance in this new tournament. Yeah. And bring him in King Chopper. I think when you were talking about him having a big presence, I think it was everybody kind of hyping him up, like even Master Roshi and everybody was like, oh, he was a beast in his last tournament. He didn't even get touched or anything. And then like the moment when they were fighting and Goku jumps in the air and he's like, oh, he lost now. I think that kind of added on to all of that. But I thought the preliminaries was pretty interesting myself. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it more or less. And then what you're saying about Goku, it is true. The um the, This tournament isn't really about Goku. It kind of just kind of showing his strength and everything. It doesn't really get about Goku until like the end match. He kind of has the the, the, the storyline with Tien after he um hurts Yamcha. That's when you can, I guess you can kind of say it kind of gets a little bit with Goku in there. Yeah. But 
Moving on to our fourth one. I like the scene where Master Roshi is flirting with the girls and he calls Goku and Krillin over and the ugly one goes <laughs> <laughs> I can eat them up with chocolate and marshmallows. I just felt the stir. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know what she says in Japanese, but it's hilarious. They go back to those girls a lot throughout the arc, like those three youngish girls, just to like have somebody to be like, oh, they have fans. Oh, people are excited. There's always just these same three girls saying dumb shit. <laughs> and I just, the fact that he actually was like, flared, then he calls them over, and then they do the whole little trader thing. And I like that because like, oh, and I also like the fact that I don't know what kind of wig or what glue he's using this time, but he's able to switch pretty easily. This arc, I guess he figured it out. He's like, I can't, I can't do the glue shit no more. (laughs) I got to do something else. But I thought that was a funny scene. I think mostly Master Roshi scenes when he's just Master Roshi's are always going to be perverted, stupid, crazy, and like hilarious. Like there's even this one scene I remember back and earlier where he gets he makes himself small just so he can see um yeah um uh, what's her name La- launch his ass like he, he takes um bombas on um, the small ray just to make him yeah slow so he can see her in the bathroom master Rose is just one of the craziest motherfuckers um what's your number four or do you want to add on to what i was saying Nah, I'm always down for Master Roshi being a fucking pervert but i do feel like some of master Roshi's best character moments do come when he is Jackie Chan, because it, yes. it, 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 re- it gives you a level, a, like a layer of removal from the inherent perversion that makes up Master Roshi. It's like he's donned a disguise for the purposes of this. And now he's thinking about his students or whatever. And he's like not two jokes or like two seconds away from like a tit joke, you know? Yeah. I think I like Jackie. Jackie Chun, honestly, one of the only other SH figure arts characters I've considered buying. Jackie Chun and Tao Pai Pai, because they, they're seriously two of the greatest Dragon Ball characters of all time. Um, number four for me, and it's kind of a quick one. Um, I love the fact that Goku's tail is sort of a focus point at a few different points in this, um, in this arc. Um, and mainly just to prove that it's like another way of making Goku like a formidable protagonist, even though you didn't spend most of the story with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still like understand that he's gotten considerably stronger because his only weak point before was grabbing and gripping the tail, right? Yep. Well, he realized I don't want no more weaknesses like that. So I trained my tail up and there's a certain point in the fight with Tian where Tian's got his forearms out. He's got him by all four limbs. And like, we've already had two instances of his tail being like independent and not weak anymore. When Tian grabs him with the forearms, all four limbs, and he like smacks him in the face with his tail and like rubs across his eyes or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I just love that being another little character detail to kind of put in the, uh, another feather in the cap of Goku being a, you know, committed martial artist and trying to delete or delay or get rid of any and all weaknesses he has. And the most obvious one to this point with this was his tail. And it's used dramatically, uh, very effectively. Like, get him by the tail, we'll be all set. And it's like, nah, motherfucker, you won't. Because I thought of that and I took care of it because I'm Son Goku. So that's my number four. I like the fact you brought that up and it kind of brings up something you said earlier about Krillin. And when he fought um, against Goku and his major plan in that whole fight was to get to um, Goku's tail and he yep. called it 
And that's where you learned that he basically had scrimped in his tail over his training by kind of doing something similar what monkeys were doing, like having like other monkeys like Radic on his tail and stuff. I guess he probably did other stuff, but they highlighted that and uh flashback so i thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool and it basically to show that um because the last arc he went against his um gohan and he basically fucking yanked his tail off or was fucking throwing him around so it's like yeah uh, I'm, uh, i hope he learned from that <laughs> from that situation honestly maybe that's why he did it when he did it because you know he met his <laughs> dead grandpa gohan after like 10 fucking years and was like hey what did I tell you, grandson? That that could be it. I didn't piece that together, but that probably is it. For my number five, I like when Goku explained the difference between his normal screen uh, and battle screen. Motherfucker, you took my number five. So it's called, uh, in the Japanese, it's called match level versus battle level. And the way Goku explains it is so fucking badass, dude. He's like, yeah, all right. I've been going at you 100% match level. Match level, I think that you have like decent intentions. You just want to have a fight. Now we're at battle level because I can sense that you want to kill me. And if you want to kill me, then we're at battle level. I'm like, what the does that mean? He's like, the whole new match starts now. I'm like, I don't know what just happened, Kid Goku, but I think it's the most badass veiled attempt at a death threat I've ever seen in my life. No, I think this highlights something that goes back to the first tournament where he went against that one dude and he like touched him and he failed. And remember, he was like, Krillin, I don't think we can use our real strength there. So I think all that co- goes back to then, if you remember what I'm talking about. No, I, I remember 100% what you're talking about. I don't think it goes back to that. I think it goes back to like match level for Goku in the 22nd tournament would have been like something friendly enough to go out full out against a dude like say Jackie Chun or Tian or Krillin or any of his other peers, right? So long as the understanding is there that we're just trying to have a good fight. It's a tournament. We want to see who has got the best techniques or whatever. That's match level again in the Japanese sub, right? But when it goes to battle level, when Goku makes a differentiation, a part of it is because Sudo Senen is sitting there in the stands saying to them, Kill that motherfucker. He killed Tao Pai Pai. Who gives a shit about this bunk-ass tournament? Kill that dumb motherfucker. And he's like, oh, you want to kill me? And he gets the sense that like, oh, maybe this person wants to kill me. Now it's no longer match level, match within a tournament. It's battle level. Like I'm battling for my fucking life out here. And I don't give a shit if you're going to try to kill me because now my battle power is um, unrestricted. You know, like I know not to take it easy anymore. If you're going to be like that, I'm going to be like that. This is my battle power. That's how I took it anyway. That's my also my number five. So we better have different number sixes. Okay. Moving on to number six. I'll let you go first since I took your number five. Yeah. Okay. So it's something that we talked about a little bit earlier. But my number six is I love how integral to this series or this arc rather that Tao Pai Pai, General Tao, Mercenary Tao, whatever you call him. I love how integral to Tien's arc that he is because one, like it makes sense. Like there's this connection. He looked up to him. That's the reason he's so strong. He's a student of, you know, Tao Pai Pai. That's why he's like a formidable enemy to Goku or whatever. But when you really think about what I look, when I really think about what I like about Dragon Ball and most of Dragon Ball Z, so many of the arcs, they're connected. They leak in, they bleed into one another. 
And with Tao Pai Pai being like one of the main big bads of the Red Ribbon arc, to see him bleed in, leak over, lead into a little bit the 22nd Budokai and have this connection to these three main antagonists, even though he doesn't show up at all, I like the connectivity. I like that connective tissue between the two arcs to make the story feel connected. Uh, connected, a little bit more coherent, like a little bit more comprehensive. Thought out. Thought out, even though you know it's not, because Toriyama does this shit week to week back in fucking 80s. I don't want to say Toriyama did coke, but if he did, you know, I could have put together some amazing Dragon Ball scripts on the fly and be like, remember that antagonist from 18 months ago? He knows these guys. Uh, either way, I just love how much um, previous arcs influence the current ongoing arcs in Dragon Ball. This tournament could have been exempt from that, except for the inclusion of Tao Pai Pai and his connection to these three characters. It's it's honestly, it's something that Dragon Ball Super is so fucking bad with. It's so fucking bad. Everything in Dragon Ball Super feels super, super no pun intended, segmented, super segmented and it was a little thing. And it's like, Oh, the fight's over. And we never talk about that thing again. And it has nothing to do with the next. Um, there are very small examples of things that you could say are like foreshadowing for future arcs or whatever. In super, there's maybe, maybe three of them. If you want to talk about them, we can talk about them. Not today, obviously on a different day, but it just, it never felt nearly as organic uh, as like a growing, ongoing, continuing story with Dragon Ball Super as it did with OG stuff because the the previous events directly influenced the current event. So having Tao Pai Pai be that connection, be that person for Tian Shanan, um, it's kind of unimportant in a lot of ways, kind of minor, but it's one of my favorites. Hmm. I feel like I like the whole connectivity, even that fact that he's Shin's brother. And that adds on to the plot line and all that. And even in the next tournament, it adds on to the plot line. So it's, oh, he does come back. He does, he comes back in the 23rd one. Yeah, he's mercenary towel with like the robot eyes. No, I'm talking about uh, Shin. Cause I think he said Shin does it. Shin comes back with him too. Does he? Yeah. I think I thought he got blasted to the moon. Yo, honestly, that's like my honorable mention moment is when he's like trying to do some evil shit to Goku with telekinesis and trying to command Shoutsu to do evil telekinesis shit. And he's like, Everybody look out. And then from across the ring in the spectator seats, he hits him with the command out of the fucking non-existent moon. So good. So good. But my number six, we don't have we don't have a shared number six, so this is cool. Thank God. I don't know who was teaching Tien and Chatsu their moves. I don't know if it was um Crane Hermit or if it was um Tao Pow Pai. I don't know which one, but whoever did, you got to give them their props. They, I think in that part of being the master or teacher, they excelled at because they really own any because they had Skywalker and they had um, the tri-beam. This is actually my my favorite. Yeah. All right. So Buku Jutsu Skywalk, right? There's probably like six techniques that Tien brings into to Dragon Ball that stay like for, mm-hmm. for a long time. The flash technique. Yeah, the the Bukujutsu Skywalk that becomes the reason that everybody can fly in Dragon Ball Z. That's mm-hmm. one Taiyo Ken. That's the Solar Flare. Solar flare. Uh, the Kikolo. That's the Spirit Cannon or whatever. Uh, he does the forearm technique, which is pretty iconic for Tien. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does split form. What is that? Five techniques already? Jesus Christ, bro! And that's not even adding Chatsu. Dude did like the Dodon Ray. 
He had the te- telekinesis, the, the um, internal pain to make people want to shit themselves. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's so it was so crazy how many techniques they had. And then you sitting there like, dang, why man, Masarinji barely letting them do the comedy on me? It's like a, it's like a mirror of, and I think honestly, I feel like it has to be on purpose because one thing that's a little understated in this series is all of the turtle school students they all do the kamehameha super unexpectedly krillin mm-hmm. does a big one oh yamcha even knows it now all this shit right he pulls off against the end and that's all they know that's all they know except goku who can mimic other people's techniques he mimics the zanzu ken and he does like a eight fucking version of it and all that shit the the multi-form or whatever um I feel like that's an intentional choice. I, I think, I don't know, to say Turtle Hermit School only focuses on this one move with like max power over the last 50 years as where the Crane School, they have all these flashy, crazy six, seven, eight different kinds of techniques just to, I think, further illustrate like the differences between the two masters and the two schools. I think it's on purpose. Yeah, I can feel like because I guess you could say Master Roshi believes that this what you got to give Master Roshi because out of all their techniques, his technique has been used in every fight. Yep. He has the, one fight. The greatest. <laughs> I mean, if I was Master Roshi, I, I wouldn't even care. Like if I have like the what by what technique is everywhere. Like everybody knows this. They have felt it. They have seen that. It's, uh, I, you got to give them his props. But I, for my number stick, I like the most devastating move we've seen in Dragon Ball at this point had to be the Tri-Beam. It literally wiped the whole ring out of fucking existence. I was like, God damn. And the fact that Tien went on this whole I'm not a killer thing and told Goku like, jump, because this is going to be some shit. Like, and that yeah. was some shit. Because I low-key if because if, if you think regular people tr- actually try to do the world tournament, right? <laughs> like, like, imagine yeah. if somehow made it to the final round and a motherfucker just pulled that bullshit out. It's like whatever training you believe you did and mastered to get to where you're at, you're nowhere. <laughs> you know. Never mind. Forget about it. Because this motherfucker can wipe out the entirety of the fighting ring and then fly over it at the end. Just so that way he knows you're in a hole and lose and he's still flying as it touched the ground and wins. Yeah, you're right. I gotta give him this prop. And that was smart strategy at the end because going against Goku is like one of those things where you need a technicality win. You know, you're not, a lot of times you're not going to win by one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> like, we talked about it before. I mean, there are so many fucking fake 10 counts in this arc. There's a ton, dude. I love listening to the announcer. One, <laughs> listen to it in Japanese. Two, three, four. It's fucking hilarious every single time. But it's kind of building off the idea of we didn't get to fully see Jackie Chan's power before he jumped out of the ring with Tien. And it's it's what makes the end of this arc work is that Tien wins on the technicality, but he realizes that when Goku hits that Kamehameha, turns it around, reverses it. So he has propulsion to go back and hit him in the face to try to win. Oh. I was like, holy shit. I wouldn't even have thought of that. Like this kid's so good. He's such a fucking genius, I guess, with fighting. He's so powerful. 
And then they just end on the luck of the draw thing where Goku hits the ground first and Tien hits the truck and takes a minute, you know, half a second longer to hit the ground. It's just another like illustration of, I mean, that's what drives Tien, right? He's like, I didn't win fairly. I didn't see Goku at his full power. And we leave that arc saying we didn't even see Goku do all that he could do. Fuck the tournament rules. Get rid of the ring. One-on-one, who wins? That's what it makes me think about. And I think that Goku wins that fight. Um, And I think that's the way Tien left the fight, too. And it kind of left him with the motivation to continue to get stronger. Um, But, but yeah, man, the way that that fight ends is, um, it's to quote you, one of my best friends in the world, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. It is an interesting way for it to end. The fact that Goku fucking smacks against that glass and hits the ground first. And it just, it just makes you so mad because Goku literally does this, the Kamehameha that you're talking about, the hit TN. And the fact that that shocks everybody. They're like, oh my God, Goku is still trying to win. <laughs> like, because I got, and everybody's mind is over because he's falling. Because that's the whole TN's plan. Him fall, hit the ground first. But Goku being the badass that he is, is like, what? Nigga, dude, we still in the ring. <laughs> we still going. It just keeps the fight going. And the fact that he only, because if you think about it, it's basically going off the first tournament where it's like Goku could have won if he could finish the sentence. And it's like, dang, Goku could have won if this fucking car didn't come and fucking do some bullshit, even though he's literally did the move to win. That's just such bullshit. It yeah. may, it's crazy. But moving on to our least favorite scene. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? I'm going to go ahead and start. Okay. I hated the man wolf lost the match by following a bone outside of the ring. Like, <laughs> like, come on, man. I thought you were supposed to be a wolf. Now you're acting like a dog. Like that whole little bit. I hated that's that I just hated that part of the fight. The whole with him transforming and all that funny cool cool. But that part, I'm like, you didn't been breathing down this man neck this whole time and you fucking you need to, you need to at least rip an arm off or something. Like, come on. Okay. Understandable. Understandable. My my least favorite, it isn't even a scene. It's actually like some of the nitpickiest shit I think I've ever complained about. But it's something that's always bothered me since the original time I watched the Dragon Ball anime. And I'm pretty sure it's even reflected in the manga at certain points. But so dumb, dude. You ready to laugh? Mm. Uh, Tian Shinhan. Fucking specimen, specimen of a man. Okay, mm-hmm. very tall, very broad shoulders, amazing pectoral muscles, and then you get down to his abdomen. And if you watch in the animation, don't know why his abdominal muscles are super inconsistent throughout everything. Sometimes it's got like the traditional six pack superhero shit, like you know, two by three. Mm-hmm. Other times though, and I don't know if this is on purpose because he's got like the third eye, like here squinched in the middle but other times and by other times i mean probably 80 percent of the time he's got this weird abdomen design to him where it just looks like one big like clump in the middle with a line through it i don't know how to better describe it i gotta definitely rewatch just to see this because i don't i don't think i've paid attention to this that sounds so hilarious honestly man it used to offer it used to uh bother me back then and watching it today, I was like, probably not not today, but like the last few days, I was like, I seriously went into it being like, you're probably not even going to notice that. 
<laughs> sure enough, it was the only fucking thing that I could notice. And it's not even that it's like, I prefer one over the other. It's the question of, why did they keep switching? What the fuck, man? You guys got to keep this consistent? You had one goddamn job in 1986 and you couldn't stick to the job of keeping this dude's looking like muscles looking like the same way from scene to scene. Sometimes it's just a big old bloop with a fucking line between it. Other times it's like, I'm Scott Summers of the X-Men. I have a six-pack, Jim Lee style. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me because I'm American or whatever. What's up with this one-eye bullshit? I, I don't know. Stupid thing to complain about. If I had to complain about a real thing, um, yes. Chiaotsu, Chiaotsu, which by the way, I've learned how to spell Chiaotsu now. I've, I've struggled with the spelling of that name for my whole life. According to this, it's C-H-O-A-Z-U. I used to do a C-H-I-O-A-T-Z-U spelling of Chiaotsu's name. I give, I've given that up now. Um, I just don't like, uh, Chiaotsu cheating for Tien and doing all that shit at the end with the fight with Goku. But when you get to the end of that moment, it does kind of pay off for Tien to be like, no, I want to do this clean. I'm a good guy now and I'm strong and believe me that I'm strong. So I do hate and love it at the same time. But dude, check out Tien's abs in this fucking series. It's very inconsistent and kind of distracting when, now that I pointed it out to you. I think that's funny. Also, uh, the whole credence that um, Goku, I mean, Dragon Ball don't do a lot of shirtless fights, so maybe that's something they've been having problems with. I mean, Jackie Chan was mostly shirtless uh, in this one. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what it is, right? Like, they don't have to do a bunch of, like, body muscles or whatever they call Keeping them, like, I guess, form-added and fighting scenes, so I guess that could be it, but... I have to relook at that just to see. Um, now, now it's all you'll notice. But all right, go ahead. <laughs> that's great. That that'd be funny if that's like everything I see now from TN. Least favorite fight. Uh, easiest easiest question for me: Goku versus Ben Pon Pon Prado, whatever the fuck. Pomplet, okay. whatever. And the reason it's my least favorite is because it serves the same purpose as the Chapa O fight. It's just to say, like, it's it's a different set of circumstances. With Chapa O, it's like, this guy previously won the tournament. He was so strong back when, blah, blah, blah. Goku makes very short work of him. With Pompretto, it's like, he's a movie star. He's such a good action martial artist, blah, 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 blah. I think Goku makes short work of him. And it's just to sort of prove the same thing, you know? So, like, that one is built. It's like a full-ass episode just getting to that fight having the fight and the afterwards of that fight. So I think that one's the most disappointing for me. What what do you got? I feel like people, if you've been listening to this episode, you probably kind of already know it kind of follows my least favorite scene. Is it Krillin versus Chiaotzu? Why do you hate Chiaotzu and Krillin? No, it's not. It's not. All people, I'm bald, right? It's not Krillin versus Chiaotzu. It's Jackie Chan versus Man Wolf. Wait, is, I thought you enjoyed it until the bone thing at the end. I did not enjoy the fight. It's funny the end, like the whole thing, but I thought it was boring. I like that Jackie Chan wasn't taking him serious and turned his back on him and shit. But I didn't really care about his whole issue with Jackie Chan. I didn't, it didn't really 
he didn't really get me invested like damn. Um, yeah, because his whole goal was just to try to get pussy. The reason I don't hate the man wolf thing is because, like we talked about before, it has a tie back to the previous arc. Yeah. It has a thing where something happened in that last arc with the moon where I'm like, motherfucker, you fucked up the ocean tides, you know? But it also it had this direct impact on this character's life. Uh, and also it's just treated as a joke to like further demonstrate like how powerful Jackie Chun is. So I- I'm kind of down with the man wolf thing as cringy as man wolf as a character can be. And I didn't like the whole Krillin moon. Like I thought that was funny, but I thought the whole, the whole thing with the moon was like energy from the moon. So I'm like, what is it? Is it mind over matter now? Like he didn't need the moon. He just needed this Jackie Chun to hypnosome or some, it's just a, Hypnosum? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, that is a little confusing. Is it about the moon or is it about the hypnotic state that you go into when you see that shit? It's just, but moving on to favorite fight, I'm gonna let you go ahead first. Oh, I want. I, I wonder if we got the same one. Uh, honestly, I'm still gonna go Jackie Chun versus Tien. That's the that's the heart of this arc. Everything before it leads up to it. Everything after it is sort of. I don't want to say an afterthought, but everything after it continues to serve the purpose of that fight. Meaning, bringing Tien back to the two, not maybe bringing back to, but bringing Tien to the light side of the force and fighting for the powers of good and all that. The only reason Goku and him have uh, as inspired and as honest as a fight as they do is because that Jackie Chun and Tien fight happened first. So that was my favorite one in this tournament, hands up. We have the same one, but I want to add on some of my favorite parts from the fight, Tien versus um, Master Roshi. Here are some quotes that were kind of in the fight. I might have added a little bit or taken away from. This is a quote from Tien. um, He fights like no other man I've ever faced. Here's a uh, quote from Master Roshi. New upstarts keep coming and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get in their way. I love whole Goku whole optimistic Debbie Doubter type of vibe he was giving this whole match yeah. with Krillin. Like every time like Jackie Chan did something, he was like, Oh, Jackie Chan's gonna win. I don't know about that, Krillin. I think T is stronger than that. <laughs> like the whole fight. <laughs> no, the way that they deliver Goku's line, and I thought about that a lot too, because I was wondering as watching it, right? There's a few episodes of Tien and Goku and Chaozu meeting like the telltale end of the red ribbon arc, like out in the middle of nowhere. I think there's a boar involved. They try to like rob a city or some shit. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly what it is. I don't know if that's canon. It would not surprise me to learn that it was not canon. Okay. But for the purposes of the anime, which I just recently digested, Goku has had that experience. Anytime Krillin or somebody is like, Oh, we're going to the upper hand on this three eyed bitch. He's always, always, always quick to say, nah, he's strong. I fought him before. So it's probably a little different from the Masako Nozawa delivery versus the Stephanie Nadolny delivery. Stephanie Nadolny, shout out. I, I didn't meet you a couple of weeks back at a convention and have a super awkward interaction with you. I think I told you about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my point is the idea of Son Goku continuing to be like again because he's kind of a nothing character until the last fight it's like we know he's strong we know he's strong we know he's in the wings just in case oh tien made the mistake and assumed yamcha was the strongest in the turtle hermit school because he's the oldest looking 
mistake, bitch. But then him being like, no, like to have Goku be the voice of reason being like, no, actually this opponent we're facing, I fought him before. He's still really strong. It's just a different kind of impactful. Yep. And that, it's it's so interesting from it, like what you're saying, it coming from Goku because it's unexpected. But um, another thing, another quote from this fight, um, lesson one, never upset your elders. This is when uh, Master Roshi basically catches um, Tien's arms and he basically holds them in that lock. And I love that scene. That was a really good one. This is the first time we get to see the solar flare used in action. Great move. I love how devastating it basically had Master Roshi because he he never, I don't think he ever seen the technique before, before seeing it there because he, he seemed like he never did. No. And I like um, Jackie Chan gets caught because he was preaching to Tien. And basically, that's what Shien was like. Is that Master Roshi? Like, how he was talking? <laughs> he was like, who the fuck? I know who that is. And yeah. I just love that whole scene. That was hilarious. And then Tien using the Kamiha and then shooting it towards the audience and shit. That yeah. everybody just pulling out the Kamiha in this fucking. Hey, honestly, dude, I kind of forgot about that moment. And just as a kind of way to compound on that, I it's kind of interesting that Tien uses it, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. the whole arc is about bringing him over to the light side of the fucking force. And in that moment, they have him do that technique just to demonstrate, like. A, I'm very powerful. B, I can do the kind of shit that Goku does, meaning I can see a technique and mimic it almost instantly. Mm-hmm. But but C, also to kind of foreshadow. Also, I'm pretty sure this is the only fucking time TN uses a Kamehameha. If there's other Kamehameha TN out there, let me know. I'm pretty sure this is the only one. But it's also used as a way to not only draw the parallels of Goku and him being, you know, this... um martial arts like mastermind but but to be like foreshadowing that he's going to come over to the light side of the force so very cool use of the technique there good call i forgot all about that i mean it's so surprising i remember when the whole fight was happening i'm literally writing this stuff while it's happening and he does it i'm like i I rewatched this so many times and for some reason that seemed like the first time i noticed that <laughs> like, which is so crazy <laughs> Um, and then basically you have Jackie Chan walking off at the end. And I, I just, I love that. And it's basically like he walks off like a boss after laying some hard bars at hopefully some of the advice seeks in. And I just, I just chef kiss, bro. <laughs> you just got to give him a whole <laughs> this because it was just amazing scene right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about serving the next generation and making sure that we have those, uh, Continuing warriors to ch- what do you have, Ray? You look so excited. What? I also forgot to add. Yeah. This was the last of Jackie Chan. Yeah. This is the last time we see Jackie Chan. That's a good point. Iconic Dragon Ball character. Basically did what he set out to do. Basically, he wanted to go onto these tournaments and test the might of his kid, his pupils, his students. And he basically got to see him grow to the point where they got stronger than him. And then the new upstarts come and he basically was like, you know what? Let me take a break. It's time for me to sit back. I'm in good shape. See you later. And that's why I have always, always, always been in favor of a young Roshi series because it brings it back to the power scaling of that OG Dragon Ball at most. And you get to see where they started from. I think that'd be way more interesting than continuing to see like, us go even further beyond the gods with Super Saiyan Blue times seven. Red, blue, red. Like I'm all sad, dude. And this is the last thing I want to talk about for Master Real Sheik. Because I, I don't know if I always overthink this thing, but I think it's hilarious. This is after uh, the Jackie Chan stuff. 
and he's sitting in the audience with Bulma and them, and they were talking. And out of nowhere, you get Yod starts to shoot in the air so they can get like better seating out of nowhere. And Master Real, she just says, fuck this. And just jumps over the shit and over it on the wall and just start watching the fight from the time from the other and side. And like, hey, Master Roshi, only competitors are allowed back here. And he's like, being a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole like, I'm Master Roshi, bitch. <laughs> Motherfuckers, I can't be back here. I just love I, that whole energy. I will say, though, unspoken MVP of this tournament, definitely launch, blonde launch, yeah. launch, whatever you call her. Because uh, she always got us the prime time exposition dumping seats, man, like right at the wall. Because she had those guns that had rounds, like 15, 25 fucking bullets in them. And she also um, saved Goku from that because uh, they were trying to kidnap him from the fight. That's very true. She like took her motorbike and went and busted him out the back of that car because she's a real one. <laughs> and she also got flicked by... Um uh, Master Shin because she was trying to stop um Chatsu from cheating. Mm-hmm. She has uh, some pretty decent moments. She always has some pretty decent moments in Dragon Ball. It's crazy how she just disappears in Dragon yeah. Ball Z. What is it's like Toriyama forgot about her or something? <laughs> the main love interest of Master Roshi. It's so crazy. Like, that's so crazy. I mean, it's the main love interest of Master Roshi. That wasn't her main love interest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she did. I think this is when she started the whole, she fucks with Tien. Because, like, after the whole arc, she was like, yeah, you can come out, cook for you. This is Blonde Launch saying this. Yeah. Funny yeah. Thing about so, it. like, Blonde Launch is, like, uh, again, unspoken MVP because in this tournament, A, yeah, she got some good seeds. But you see Blonde Launch become almost, all right, I didn't, I didn't even play that talking about this, but I did think about it when I was watching it, right? The interaction between Bulma and Lunch in this entire arc is awesome. Whether it's blue-haired Lunch or blonde-haired Lunch. Blonde-haired Lunch, she just kind of goes well along with, like, she understands what's going to be at the end of whatever shit that she's doing. She, she's, just, she's shooting guns into the air. She's going to have the best seat or whatever. Blue-haired Lunch, so they do have, like, a, a bit of um, sort of camaraderie or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was fun because... Normally, Bulma's thing is to be the smart person. And this arc, she is there to be the supportive friend, the supportive person. And Launch kind of builds off of that. The idea that Ashtaroshi does all this shit to get launched to his island. She becomes who she is. She kind of like acclimates with the group a little bit, despite being a blondie and shooting up guns and shit. She's kind of cool. She's kind of nice. She's at least affable, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Toriyama's like, oh, uh, yeah, no, she likes uh, Tien, and she went to go find him, I guess. And that wasn't even Toriyama's decision. He just straight up forgot about her. It was a filler story that that gave her that in the beginning of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> like, that's how it's fucking bad he forgot about her. Gita was bad. Cause I, I remember that, because then she, like, find them, and she was trying to... It's crazy. I love Launch character. I'm mad that he got rid of her. Especially this type, this type of launch, because in Dragon Ball yeah. she really kills it. And even even the fact that she like becomes cool with some people that like kind of literally kidnapped her. But <laughs> 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 like, let's not go that deep into it. But it is uh-huh. kind of 
kind of whack. <laughs> we should do a whole ass episode about launch, dude. That's what we should do. We should. She is a badass. And if you think about it, she's like the only bad, um, not like bad as in looks, but like badass as she's not scared of nobody type of shit character and Dragon Ball that is a female type of shit. So yeah, she, she's frequently memed on too because again, Toriyama forgot. <laughs> Listen, I just saw that launch. I just saw that beam earlier today about launch, you know? And with that, unless you had anything else you wanted to bring up. Yeah, this is what I have to bring up. Are you ready? I love you. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate always having uh, an OG Dragon Ball discussion because, again, it's no secret for Super Dope. I'm having a tough time making uh, episodes about new stuff because it's just fucking tough to care, man. But it is very cool to have an excuse to go back and watch the old stuff that made me fall in love with Dragon Ball and remind me why I love this property. So... Thank you for inviting me to do these. You're keeping me motivated and in the Dragon Ball space, Rayshawn. You are literally the life support line for Dragon Ball Super Dope at the moment. Okay. Whether you know it or not, you are. Um, me and Ray also make a podcast called The Advice Pod. Uh, go check that out. Lots of unsolicited Reddit, Reddit advice. I assume Rayshawn will put a link in the show notes, so I cannot guarantee it. And uh, that's it, man. That's all I got. Thank you so much for, for doing this. This is fun. I want to thank you. I didn't know I was the lifeline, but, you know, I always felt like I was an important part of Dragon Ball. No, you're one of the most important parts. If I had to, if I died tomorrow, the show's yours, all right? And there are, like, at least five or six kids out there who would die to hear me say that to them. So, uh, congratulations. The show's all yours. Uh, should you ever look to um, downsize our gap, you could just bring it over to the Super Dope feed because... You like this shit just as much, and I say this shit meaning Dragon Ball. Uh, you like this shit just as much, if not more, than I do, man. God bless, because that's a fucking lot. I mean, Dragon Ball has always been my shit. I, I don't have as much collectibles, but Dragon Ball has always been my shit in terms of knowledge and knowing everything and all about that. But with that, I want to thank you guys for listening. We're going to end today's episode. I want to ask oh, you guys. Long one, dude. Long one. This was pretty long. And a lot of it was What are you doing, buddy? <laughs> a lot of it was just talking about just random stuff. But that's so crazy because it's only it wasn't that random, though. It, it was long because we shot off on tangents about Dragon Ball. It wasn't like I was talking about my goddamn job and making you feel. Oh, bad. yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Oh. But this was a very spirited Dragon Ball discussion. This is fun. Yeah, and this only happens while I talk with you, Kyle. Uh, like, most podcasts I have only last, like, maybe an hour at times, but somehow we can just keep talking about Dragon Ball. We're almost like, you wanna why? Work. what? You want to know why? Because we're best friends. We're cool. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, Roshan. We're, we're, we're We've literally been to my house, house man. <laughs> Brothers from a different mother. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I want to thank you guys wherever you are listening to the podcast. Please like and share. Please also check out my Instagram for my bleach reviews that we've been doing. And also, I created a TikTok. So if you are on TikTok and you need something to swipe through or just look at or want to hear some anime content, show your boy some love. Go to my Instagram. Link is below. And with that, I want to say peace. And also, I'll have all my links and everything below for my guests and everything. Super dope.
That was good. If Paul edits these, hi, Paul. That was for you, buddy. 